Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 95. Moses Cooley, water? Question <laughs> mark? Thanks for listening. I can't believe it, but this is another Ice Age Floods episode. I can't quit. I cannot quit. And this goes back a couple of radio episodes where I said, hey, man, I'm about to turn the corner. I've been busy with Jerome Lessman and Sky Cooley and videos and follow-up videos and, you know, learning new things. But I've been needing to kind of turn the corner, turn the page, and start thinking about older geology. Well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't turn the corner because I keep thinking about this stuff. And it's not just thinking. I had a potentially very important day a few days ago on Friday morning. So let me give you a little background on why I took the trip up to a place called Mansfield, Washington to look at the Mansfield channels, even though I didn't really know I was looking at the Mansfield channels when I first got there. And the geologist that I was visiting with, yeah, it's a video, but I know some of you never watch the videos, so I'll, I'll try my best to make this self-contained. But yes, there is a video that I posted a couple days ago called Mansfield Channels with Joel Gombiner. But I guess I've been thinking about it since then, and I'm more and more interested in Moses Cooley. So we touched on that during the video, but let me frame it this way. Um, there's an enormous uh, box-shaped basaltic canyon in central Washington. It's called Moses Cooley. And if you've been a fan of what I've been doing over the years, you know I keep going back to Moses Cooley. You might know Moses Cooley simply because Randy Lewis took me up there more than once, and there are a number of Native American videos where I'm driving up Moses Cooley with Randy, and he's telling all these very important stories of human occupation in that Cooley for thousands of years, maybe more than 10,000 years. And if you recall, um, it was a sensitive topic to the point where when we would stop and look at a place that was especially spiritual in the Cooley, Moses Cooley I'm talking about, which is not far from Wenatchee, Washington. It's between Wenatchee, Washington and the Grand Cooley. It's this, it's this remote area. I mean, there, there's a road going up it, but it turns to gravel after a while. And, uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, it, okay, I'm going to get on a tangent right away. I'm not into, you know, promoting tourism necessarily, but clearly, you know, some of the stuff I've been doing has had an impact on a few folks at least, and they're coming from a long way away now to visit some of these sites. And I have heard from a few folks who have come from other countries, and, and we've run into, we've, we've crossed paths, and, and I say, well, where have you been? And, and they say, well, we went here, and we went here, and, you know, thanks for the breadcrumbs, and thanks for the suggestions. And more than one of the couples said, yeah, that, those were all really nice places, but that Moses Cooley, I, we couldn't believe the scale of that thing. And equally impressive to these visitors was how um, undeveloped it is. 
And all I mean is, it, it's not a national park. Uh, it, it doesn't have a, a major uh, you know, state park or designation of some sort in there. It feels like uh, maybe what much of the American West like felt a uh, hundred years ago. I don't know. So anyway, I mean, so this Moses Cooley has been interesting to me from the Native American aspect, from the early days of white folks, Washington aspect, and then, yes, the geology. And as I've taught Moses Cooley for a number of years to my Geology 101 students and even more advanced students, uh, it's been clear that Moses Cooley is, is one of the biggest mysteries going with Ice Age floods in the Pacific Northwest. Well, that's why Friday morning, a few, mor a few mornings ago, was so exciting to me. And part of my excitement is that I didn't totally put things together in my mind until I'm walking around and filming this, this young fellow, Joel Gombiner. And then that leads us to Jerome Lessman <laughs> yet again. Uh, so that's, that's what we're doing here today. Um, we'll get to the heart of the matter in a second, I think. But let me, let me freelance here a little bit more with you, if you don't mind. I think I've shared with you that I enjoy doing my own thing, and I'm not wild about going on these big organized field trips. In fact, there's a big organized field trip this week, I think tomorrow, down in uh, Oregon with the National Association of Geoscience Teachers. And, the, you know, you, you register and you have your name tag and you do all that. And that's just the latest example of, of a trip that I'm just kind of interested, but... When I really start thinking about it, I lose my interest because everybody's standing around chit-chatting with each other, and there's it almost feels like the geology being presented is secondary. You're out there in the field, but it's there's so much kind of social stuff. I know that makes me sound like a dick, but wh whatever. I I love the geology. I'm I'm less interested in the oh yeah I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I know that person and oh yeah I know that person. They're very I'm very close friends with that person. Okay. I have a short attention span or a short, um, I don't enjoy that. However, I did go on a large Geological Society of America field trip in May of 2016. And back then I was still doing things with Tom Foster, the guy who was um, making videos with me with hugefloods.com. You might be familiar with that website. That's the fellow who passed away suddenly right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I still miss Tom acutely. Um, but I was, I was, um, Tom was the, the main reason I got deeply into the world of the Ice Age floods. And um, I signed up for this field trip uh, in May of 2016 because I wanted to be on a trip with all these people that I'd been reading about. Um, Richard Waite and Vic Baker and Brian Atwater and Jim O'Connor and all, all these all these leading experts on the Ice Age floods. Well, turns out it was a Vic Baker trip and not necessarily all the leading people. And so it was a huge trip. There were, I don't know, four or five vans and, and it was, as I think it was four days and three nights, just this caravan and we just hit every spot in Washington, essentially, all the key spots. And like I just said, 
it was a lot of schmoozing and a lot of connections and all that, which is not my thing. I want to just, you know, have everybody shut up so I can really focus on what's going on at the outcrop. And, you know, when there's questions and answers at the outcrop, again, I'm ranting now, but it always feels like the questions are just so small-minded. They're just so tiny. And I think, you know, by now my instinct is to I'm not saying I'm better than everybody else. I, I just think on a different scale for whatever reason. And so I'm always asking about a connection between the stop we're at with the last stop and the stop three days ago and, and what I've seen up uh, in northern Washington or whatever. But that doesn't seem to, that just seems to confuse everybody when I say stuff like that. In fact, I suppose there's a chance people think I'm trying to be difficult, but I, I, I guess I just think differently than others. Okay, I'm telling you all this because on that trip, even though it's not my scene, I'm glad I went on the trip primarily because I met Jerome Lessman for the first time, the guy from British Columbia that I've been highlighting recently. And I remember the van that I was driving. There's this kid, and I mean he was a kid. I don't even know why he was a bunch of old people, you know. All professional geologists, you know, in the mid-career or late career or retired even. Here's this kid sitting in the back seat of the of my van. And every once in a while, I'd just see this little head in my rearview mirror. And he'd pop up with a question, kind of to the van. You know, it takes a long time between these stops. And as, as the days go on, you, you get more and more free with discussion and question and answer. And this kid's name was Joel. And it, it turns out he wasn't a kid. He had just finished his undergrad at Columbia University in New York City. So he's a bright guy. And I'm not sure he was f going right into his doctoral work at Washington, fresh out of Columbia. So, I don't know, He maybe he was 25 or in his late 20s for all I know. But the point is, he was new to the channeled scablands. He was new thinking about much of this Ice Age flood stuff. And he was asking these really interesting questions. And, you know, by day four, I was, you know, huddling up with Joel and, like, really interested in his questions and going back and forth. And he was new to the area, and I've always been kind of an outsider, so I wasn't giving him the, the company line like everybody else says about certain things. So that was kind of the end of my ex inter interaction with Joel. <laughs> Until recently. So I kind of put Joel in the back of my mind and I hadn't seen him and then I forget the details but anyway he somehow resurfaced and Carl Loquist and I had him come to a uh, come to give a public talk uh, in Ellensburg in 2019 right uh, no 2020 right before the pandemic and he gave a talk on Moses Cooley and that was more than two years ago and it was a nice visit, and I must have remembered at that point that he was in the back of my van. I probably told him the story I just told you, and he probably said, "Yeah, you were really, an, you were really an idiot." You, <laughs> I, I'm sure I come off that way to everybody, you know. <laughs> I just asked the most basic questions, and maybe that's why I got along with him because he was asking really basic questions too. But of course, they were they were the right questions to ask quite often. Okay, I'm finally to the point of the episode. Carl Loquist and I, you remember, did you hear, uh, was it just the last episode I did with you? I can't forget. Recently, I did an episode with you called Foster Cooley. 
and I was reporting on the field trip by Joel, by, no, the field trip by Carl Loquist. And on that trip was Joel, the kid, who's now must be in his 30s. He's still a PhD student at the University of Washington, so he started in 2015, and he's still there. And he's just wrapping up his PhD. Okay. Joel was on the trip. I made small talk with him on one of the stops, and he says, I'm going to be up here all week if you want to come hang out with me. And I said, hey, have you seen the videos I've been doing recently with Jerome Lessman? He's like, oh, no, I, I, I'm interested in Jerome's work, but no, I haven't seen any of the videos you've done. Which, by the way, is a common thing. Anytime I feel like I'm, you know, got some momentum and I'm doing some really interesting things, you know, I'm proud of what I'm doing, but quite often people in geology go, no, I don't, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. So Joel hadn't seen any of the stuff, but, and I didn't want to go, well, let me tell you, and Jerome Lessman and Grant, uh, the great terrorists and all that, you know, I didn't get into all that. I just said, yeah, I mean, if you got time for me, I'll drive up on Friday and uh, we'll hook up and we'll see where you want to take me. I'd love to just kind of hear what's going on with you with this, because I remember he had done a Moses Cooley project. Okay, here we go. 13 minute mark. So the main message today is that Joel is seriously wondering about the Ice Age flood water coming through Moses Cooley during the Ice Age. Not if there were Ice Age floods going through Moses Cooley. That's not debated. Everyone knows that. There's stunning landforms in Moses Cooley. Not only the shape of the Cooley, but the hanging valleys along the side, enormous flood bar uh, where Highway 2 crosses, uh, big old flood bar at the mouth, an expansion bar at the mouth of Moses Cooley with, with gravels, basaltic gravels that uh, had water flushed down Moses Cooley. Uh, there's no question, nobody, nobody who is serious about Ice Age floods doubts that major Ice Age floods, plural, came down Moses Cooley. So Joel's not wondering that. But Joel is wondering where that water came from. And if you know about the Ice Age floods, and you've been a consumer of Ice Age floods literature over the last 30 years, you've been told, or you have read, that Glacial Lake Missoula burst through an ice dam in northern Idaho, a big Missoula flood would then dump into Glacial Lake Columbia, which was sitting passively in the Columbia River Valley in northern Washington, where Lake Roosevelt is today. And then that extra water in Glacial Lake Columbia gets displaced over the channeled scablands of eastern Washington. And the explanation to this point is, if you have the ice front of the Canadian ice sheet, known locally as the Okanagan Lobe, if you have that Okanagan Lobe in just the right spot, where it blocks the Columbia River, or in other words, it sits in the Columbia River Valley at Brewster, let's say, or Chelan, or Bridgeport, but if you have the mouth of Foster Creek open, then you can have this ponded Glacial Lake Columbia water 
getting higher and higher, flooding more and more of the Foster Creek Basin until it starts spilling into Moses Cooley. So in other words, it's Montana water that's getting into Moses Cooley, and there you go. Well, it's always been tricky when you look at a map. It's always been tricky, if you teach Geology 101 like I do, to convince beginners that that's an obvious story. Because when you look at Moses Cooley itself, and if you want to do that right now, by all means, get on Google Maps. You don't need a a, a fancy software to see this. Just click on Google Maps, find Moses Cooley, look at the size of that thing first of all. Incredible. And then as you follow Moses Cooley from south to north, essentially, it wimps out. And it does not connect all the way up to the Columbia River Valley. Like Grand Coulee does. Like the Cheney Palouse Tract does. Like the Telford Crab Creek uh, system does. So traditionally, and the way I've been teaching it for years, and the way that uh, Joel viewed it until a couple of years ago, Moses Cooley was an enigma because it was not connected to the rest of the channels. All the rest of the channeled scablands of eastern Washington with the Missoula floods and the Ice Age floods of eastern Washington, Moses Cooley was a major question mark because it didn't connect to everybody else. So how do you get water into Moses Cooley? And whether you're Richard Waite or Brian Atwater or whomever, it's acknowledged that it's a, it's a tricky proposition. It's not an obvious scenario. And I just tried quickly to describe the scenario. But the, the, the fundamental thesis of that message, even though it's tricky, the assumption is the water's got to come from Montana. Come on now. We all know that Glacial Lake Missoula had major floods coming away from it. I'm not disagreeing with that either. But the assumption till now has been, if you're a mainstream scientist, if you're someone who knows Ice Age floods well, you better get in line with the idea that we need Montana water getting into Moses Cooley. Well, Joel is actively entertaining that idea. That's smart but he is also actively entertaining a completely different source of water, which has been a no-no to this point. I don't want to, I don't want to go into the, the politics of this, but it has been a no-no to this point. I mean, on the one hand, it's a no-no just because you don't understand Canadian geology. Canadian geography, Okanagan geography, Okanagan geology. You don't understand it. So that's the tame version of why it's a no-no. You just don't know. No pun intended. You just don't know, so it's a no-no. We're not going to talk about water coming down the Okanagan. We're not going to talk about water coming from British Columbia. Because we just don't know enough to be confident. That's the mild version of it. Oh, what the hell, I'll say it. A less mild version is, as is the history of science for a long, long time, if you've invested a significant amount of effort during your career telling one particular story, it's pretty hard 
to be an open-minded person late in the game and to wholeheartedly support younger people even if they are going against your work. But it appears that's where we are. And I'll stop there. I could go farther, but I don't want to. So, yes, what I'm trying to say is there's a new PhD about to be finished. Unclear if there will be momentum behind Joel Gombiner's PhD to then spin off into a publication or two. And some of his current work that I learned about on Friday, and I'll let the video speak for itself, but I'll try to summarize a little bit here. It was sounding vaguely familiar as Joel was talking to me. And it is mostly a coincidence that a month ago, I was hearing very similar things from the British Columbia geologist named Jerome Lessman. That's a coincidence because those two guys have not been in touch with each other at all. Joel Gombiner has been vaguely aware of the subglacial flow work that Jerome Lessman did more than 10 years ago. Jerome was vaguely aware that Joel Gombiner was working in Moses Cooley but was not sure exactly what he was doing in the last few years. There's no professional relationship between the two of them. And I'm pausing and choosing my words carefully. You can imagine what Joel Gombiner was doing on Friday. We were out there walking around. I'm like, hey, Joel, come on, man. Let's, let's, you up for this? I'm just going to film you a little bit. And, you know, it goes a little easier when somebody's seen a lot of my videos. They have a good sense of who I am and, and what I'm doing with these videos. Joel hadn't seen any of the videos. And remember now, he hadn't really seen much of me in person either, or heard much of me, even in this podcast form. So, you know, he's going to be a little reticent anyway. Then the fact that he's, you know, actively doing some work that potentially goes against the grain of the, of the Ice Age Floods establishment, you can imagine how much he's going to choose his words carefully. Um, before I lose the thought, let me just throw it out there quickly. I, I've mentioned with you here in the radio episodes recently that I've been um, doing more and more of this, visiting with geologists in the field as they're doing their work. In other words, they, they're, they're early or they're mid or whatever, but it's, it's, it's rough, it's intimate, it's not polished, and um, it's something I haven't done before. Usually I'm talking about stuff that, ha that was published 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago. So this is different in, in a sense. But with this thing with Joel and the stuff last month that I did with Jerome Lessman, this is a new deal for me, and I want to make sure I don't screw something up. In other words, I've been trying to get Joel and Jerome to collaborate a little bit, at least compare notes, because independently they're, they're talking about water heading to Moses Cooley. I still haven't told you details of the Mansfield channels, which I'll do in just a second, I promise. But I've, I've done enough to just try to get those guys to email each other, and it looks like they did that yesterday. So I'm going to back away, and 
Uh, I don't know how much you know about academia, but you can maybe guess why there's potential problems on the horizon. So I, I just, uh, it, it's, a, it's a new role for me. And my new role is I'm, I'm doing, I'm putting spotlights on people early. And it sounds pretentious if I say I'm now directly influencing geologic research because that's certainly not my intent, but almost by accident, I'm potentially forcing a collaboration or having a hand in a collaboration by these two guys who, for all I know, will end up publishing a paper together. But that's that's up to them. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure the situations are complicated and everything else. But it, it's new for me, and I'm still trying to figure out how best to operate. Uh when things are kind of raw, I guess is is what I want to say. Okay, well let's let's it's twenty five minute mark. Let's let's get to some of the details that I learned on Friday that might interest you. The name that kept popping up when talking to Joel on Friday morning was a guy named Larry Hansen, who published really the only detailed geologic report that I'm aware of on Moses Cooley, talking about the Ice Age floods published in 1970. It was a doctoral dissertation. It was, it was a PhD project. It was not a paper. And I have always meant to learn more about Larry Hansen because his name keeps coming up from former students of his. I, I did a quick search on him this morning on the computer. I found out he was my dad's age, and he passed away almost 20 years ago, I think now, from cancer. And my dad passed away just a couple years ago, not from cancer, but they were the same vintage. And I was projecting, of course, many of the fond feelings I have for my dad onto Larry being the same vintage. And I also knew that Larry did a bunch of teaching. And I know he was very effective with his students because some of the old timers that I hear from have very, very strong personal feelings about Larry Hansen. And so I was hoping that he was still around so I could share this video with him and and then ultimately uh, get to know him a little better. So I might try to track down some of his family if that doesn't kind of bubble up on its own uh, after releasing this video. But anyway, Joel is following in the footsteps of Larry Hansen more than 50 years later. Both Hansen and Gombiner, PhD students at the University of Washington, both studying Ice Age floods in Moses Cooley. So that's in itself kind of a neat little tidy uh, story. It dawned on me when I was out there with Joel, well, wait a minute, Stephen Porter, I don't think was doing much with the Ice Age floods, who was a, a Pleistocene geologist at the University of Washington. So I looked up Larry Hansen's PhD, and his advisor was Bates McGee. I always struggle with that. Is it Bates McGee or Bates McKee, I think it's with a K, McKee, who wrote an excellent book called Cascadia and uh, was also a magnetic person, as far as I can tell. And he tragically died in a plane crash in the early 80s. So anyway, there's all sorts of premature endings to some of these very talented geologists involving the Ice Age in Washington. Okay, it seems like I'm stalling. I'm trying not to. The Mansfield channels were subtle features in my mind, much like Foster Cooley and the Foster Creek watershed was subtle in my mind uh, before I went up there with Carl Oquist 
and Joel Gombiner a week ago. I now see that the Mansfield channels, well, I still see that they're subtle. They're not huge coolies. I can see why they've been overlooked. But Joel Gombiner last Friday helped me see with his field maps based on his satellite work, satellite imagery work, Google Earth essentially, and LIDAR is coming out very soon from this area to help accentuate things. But basically, Hansen did what he could with air photos in 1968 or whenever he was doing his field work. And Joel Gombiner in, in 2021, probably still in the pandemic thing, was cruising around on Google Earth and was finding hundreds of channels, hundreds of streamlined landforms that he's labeling drumlins, hundreds of eskers, these tiny little snake-like ridges that indicate that water was there flowing underneath the ice sheet. Because we're north of the Mansfield, sorry, we're north of the Withrow Moraine. We're north of this terminal moraine of the ice sheet at a place called the Mansfield Channels. And so if you have all of these glacial landforms that are north of the terminal moraine, the conventional story is, well, you're north of the terminal moraine. So obviously you're under ice and everything's kind of dry and passive and not that exciting. And therefore, if you want moving water, you better have the moving water being shunted along the front of either an advancing or a retreating glacier. <coughs> Excuse me. But if you're willing to realize that there's plenty of water underneath an ice sheet, and if you're going to go even further than that, if you're willing to go even further than that and say, well, there's not only water underneath an ice sheet, but moving water under an ice sheet, maybe even supercharged water under an ice sheet, now we're talking about a concept called subglacial flow. And when that subglacial flow of water, in other words, highly charged tunnels of fast-moving water underneath the glacier, when that water finally gets to the edge of the ice sheet, it's going to be released from jail. And it's going to continue to spray south. And among the American geologists, that has been a forbidden idea that the role of subglacial flow underneath an ice sheet is preposterous and does not fit with this subaerial water. In other words, water in channels with air above the water. Ultimately, Joel Gombiner's PhD is going to try to entertain, maybe even lean a little bit stronger in the end, I don't know how he's going to write it up, lead a little bit more stronger that the water in the Mansfield channels, which are leading directly to the head of Moses Cooley, is water under ice as opposed to water out in front of the ice. And suddenly, we totally change the way we view Moses Cooley. If we're willing to admit that subglacial flow is a major possibility, 
then we're realizing that major ice age floods coming down Moses Cooley is water coming directly across the border from British Columbia and therefore bringing rocks directly from British Columbia. And therefore we should not have just basalt in erratic form in Moses Cooley or we should have more than basalt in the sand in the expansion bars at the mouth of Moses Cooley. And that's what Joel has been looking at. He's got a lot of data, an overload of data from more than five years of work, all starting in the backseat of my van on that Vic Baker field trip. So if you haven't figured it out, I'm pretty excited about this. And I don't know the timing of when his work will be finished, written up, or potentially published with Jerome Lessman. But boy, if this comes through, like I think it might, this could be a significant chapter in the history of studying the Ice Age floods. Again, we're at the 100-year anniversary of J. Harlan Bretz coming out to Washington and starting his fieldwork. And I'm not saying Joel Gombiner is the new J. Harlan Bretz. But I am saying that if one of these major features of the Ice Age floods has enough new data to cast significant doubt on the typical American story about where the water came from and how it got to Moses Cooley, that would be an exciting step forward. And I, for one, would start teaching Joel's work because it's always sat a little wrong with me to have this ice front in motion, advancing and retreating, and having this water get sent into Moses Cooley just for a short amount of time. So I'll finish with this. Also part of this story is the fact that we had Ice Age floods that are far older than 20,000 years ago, potentially hundreds of thousands of years ago. And so now we're back to realizing that the Great Terrace and other major glacial landforms and Ice Age flood landforms north of the Mansfield channels might be directly part of this story. And that would also be a step forward to realize that we have far older, earlier Ice Age flood chapters that did most of the major work, potentially. And maybe some of this stuff that we thought was all happening at the same time is not happening at the same time. I'd love to be able to tease that out and present that to my students, including you. I consider you my students, whether you want to be considered that or not. 35 minutes, that's probably enough for today. Thank you for listening to this, hopefully, continued reporting on Moses Cooley and the rest of the Ice Age floods. Maybe this will do it. Maybe just doing this one with you right now will just get this last little piece of Ice Age flood stuff out of my head, and I really can start uh, turning the page. It's supposed to get hot for the first time this summer uh, in a few days, so it's maybe time for me to head up in the mountains anyway and leave eastern Washington where the temperatures are rising. Thank you, dear listener. I love you.
and goodbye.